Hello, dear listeners. It is I, once again, DJ Star Sage, coming to you from the Candy Cupboard. That's my cute little nickname for my home office. It has been a while. Won't you sit back and uh, we'll catch up? You're in store for another edition of Surely You Jest, the day-to-day life of a modern-day jester. And uh, just a word of caution, a disclaimer as it were, today's episode is going to include some semi-sensitive topics, uh, including the pandemic and uh, mental health, but uh, if you're anyone who isn't new to this podcast, uh, you've been along for the ride all along, so thank you for your time. (laughs) Well, where do we start? Let's see, uh, last time uh, we graced your ear holes, Hubby Billy was along for the ride, and since then we have had a a little adventure. We uh, stepped out of town, we went not too far, we went westward of Oslo to a, a family wedding actually, and... This was a wedding for one of my cousins. Now, um, just an aside, this is a relation from my mom's only remaining sister. I call her Aunt Gwen. She's uh, a very warm and caring lady that uh, gives great hugs, if you know what I mean. And, uh, well... These two cousins I'll refer to as Anna and Elsa. Now, despite what that might suggest if you're familiar with Disney characters, uh, these are the two sisters in Frozen. Uh, Elsa, she's not all that evil, but, uh, you know, they they are uh, like night and day. One is more of a a daddy's girl, and the other, of course, is more of a mama's girl. And, uh, well, the other year, actually a few years ago now, we attended Elsa's wedding, and much to my behest, she didn't plan to include her mother in the uh, activities or responsibilities therein, and... uh, Uh, It was just a little off-putting. But uh, this was her younger sister, Anna's wedding. And this was our first family function since before the pandemic. Uh, It was interesting to say the least simply because, well, since I've been working from home, I don't get out much. And, uh, you'll have to excuse me if, uh, I don't just throw caution to the wind. The world is still very much a scary place, and in all honesty, you really can't put much faith or trust in others, so you gotta look out for numero uno, as they say. And by that I mean... I still wear a mask. It doesn't matter to me that 
I have been vaccinated. I even just recently got my six-month booster, hubby and I did. So we're good to go. But I think that it could be argued that the reason why we still see infection rates uh, not falling out, not declining, is because of irresponsible choices. You know, it doesn't matter if you are vaccinated, it doesn't mean you can't get uh, COVID-19. It just simply means you're less likely to die from it. So, um, I see no reason why I should not wear a mask when I'm in public, especially since, as they say, I don't know you from Adam, unless you're my neighbor, and of course, if that were the case, uh, <laughs> I might be wearing a hazmat suit, folks, because these people, they, they, well, uh, let's just say I wish I had a stockade fence, because, uh, the Hootenanny will ensue, there's a reason I call them the Bumpuses, yes, please see Christmas Story, uh, the movie in the, the 80s there, you know, Red Rider, BB Gun, Ralphie, Anyways, so I still wear a mask, and this was a function with people I've never met before, and Hubby and I were all prepared to attend this wedding, which was originally supposed to be outdoors, but uh, with the change in weather, we ended up having to go inside. And, uh, well, Hubby and I stopped and got some more fashionable masks. So, uh, you know, when, when you're not dressing up every day to go into the office, you tend to be more casual. So, my go-to mask is just a somewhat patriotic navy blue with shooting stars on it. Because, of course, Star Sage. Hello? Anyways, we, we get to the wedding, and it's been moved inside, and Hubby and I are ready to put on our masks when we realize nobody else is wearing them. I would love to have just simply gone ahead and made a statement by continuing to wear mine, but uh, as much as I love my sister Betty... I think I probably would have gotten side-eye the whole day because, well, she comes from a different side of the tracks, and uh, she does live closer to where I grew up, so there tend to be more conservative people in her surroundings, more folks that um, maybe don't believe in science, let's just say, and um, i it's a hard pill for me to swallow simply because I was raised by a career nurse, and this sister uh, had cancer at the age of 16. She's a survivor, and yet doesn't believe in science to the point of protecting herself and her family? I don't know. That's my just little diatribe there, but um, moving forward, 
Uh, well, yes, um, Anna's, uh, sister, she's, uh, she's not up on the science either, and, uh, well, she has a little one at home, and, uh, her mother, Aunt Gwen, she is beside herself because uh, she feels that it's irresponsible for someone who has a little one, which, of course, at the time I'm speaking to you, um, it's not possible for anyone under the age of five to get a COVID-19 vaccination, so, you know, it's the old days, like Victorian times, when people did not uh, dare venture outside their door much with their little one, because the world is a scary place. Speaking of stepping out of doors with little ones, uh, prior to this wedding, a couple of months, maybe a little more, uh, one of my brother Jughead's boys, uh, we'll call him Huey, he's the, the oldest of the, uh, the trooper, well, I won't say the other word, but, uh, the, he and his wife celebrated their child's first birthday, and, uh, oh, I take it back, they're not even one yet, um, uh, but they decided to have a baptismal. And, uh, you know, that's all fine and good. I'm not going to, you know, poo-poo people's, uh, you know, perhaps religious choices there. But, uh, you know, all things considered, as I said, it's a little scary to be out in the world, especially with a little one in tow. Uh, needless to say, I did not participate in that family gathering. Uh, well, alright, so, moving forward, Halloween, All Hallows' Eve, and I think our, our pagan friends call it Samhain? I guess Samhain and, and Salvin confused. Perhaps someone can separate those for me. Anyways, it's one of our favorite holidays because, uh, well, it was Mama Starsage's birthday the day before, and, and actually, um, dear friend and uh, fellow Univaz podcaster Matt Burlingame shares the same birthday as my uh, dearly departed mother once had, but uh, we like to uh, celebrate the season of gloom and doom, as Antivira once said, um, like to watch our cute little spooky shows. Now, I'm, I'm not one to enjoy, uh, you know, the, uh, the horror films, although y- you might think differently if you watched our uh, October matinee minutia. Uh, we discussed Repo, the genetic, genetic opera. Now, I'm, I, I'm not into torture porn, folks. That movie was just a guilty pleasure because the costumes were spectacular and... It had Andrew Lloyd Webber's ex-wife in it. Sarah Brightman. Okay, sorry. Uh, Any good little gay boy is going to love some theater. Anyways, so Halloween. We we like to fill up this little toy truck that we have on our coffee table with films for that season. Think of it like a lending library. So we take out titles of films that uh, celebrate that particular season, have it in mind, and we try to uh, 
we try to get through a short list, sometimes longer, before the season is passed. Now, um, we also had the pleasure of hosting our first house guests in quite some time, and yes, everyone was vaccinated, of course. Don't be silly. Uh, this was our dear friend Tommy from the Great White North up there in Fort Maple, and uh, his towny friend Styles. They uh, they came to spend a couple of nights with us, and um, well, we enjoyed. Uh, I can't remember what we watched now, but anyways, we we enjoyed an afternoon out. And uh, we met up with my co-host, Mr. Toppy Smelly. We went to an antiques mall. Now, this is a, a place that's basically a sprawling establishment with lots of gently used or secondhand goods. And they are carefully arranged in sort of... um. Well, uh, you know, display cases, at, of course, but um, this is almost like a history museum, the way that this is arranged. And, uh, well, they've got it set up so that it's, it's sort of a consignment, meaning that the items on display are not being sold by the establishment but by their owners. And so, of course, they get a cut later on. But um, the interesting part about that is is that uh, sometimes you have to ask for someone to unlock something from the case. Or if you're a, um, a thrifty shopper. <laughs> I know that's uh, the name of a group of, of secondhand stores somewhere out there. But if you're a thrifty shopper and... And maybe you think that this this item isn't necessarily worth the uh, price they're asking. Sometimes you can grab uh, you know or uh, catch the attention of one of the uh, the antique mall employees, and they'll they'll go ahead and give the the case owner a callzy. Uh, and uh, well, sometimes you can barter, but uh, anyways, very fascinating experience. Experience, and it was like walking through the pages of history because there was a, uh, a grand assortment of items to be had. And, um, well, yours truly didn't end up leaving with anything. But, uh, like I said, it's like walking through pages in history because some of these collections are from people's grandparents or great-grandparents and uh, you could often see items that were nostalgic like collections of um, a brand of something like uh, you know a, a brand of tobacco or a brand of beer and there'll be all sorts of signages it's almost like a little museum to uh, the history of advertising. So that was quite a fun experience. And then afterwards, we uh, shared a meal together. We went out for basically an early dinner. 
Um, we went to an Italian restaurant with generous portions. It seemed a little pricey to me, but then again, I don't get out very often. I live somewhat in the sticks, and, uh, you know, I think pricing is probably going to vary based upon your location. If you're closer to a major city, uh, you know, maybe $14 or more for an entree. Um, you know, something like, uh, let's see, uh, chicken alfredo, let's say. You know, that might seem like a fair price, but to me, I just think to myself, for $14 or $15, I can get a whole bag of food. Of course, at the drive-thru. <laughs> so we're not exactly talking, um, you know, a, a cloth, tablecloth, and napkin experience, but uh, that's what happens when you don't get out often. But it, it was a nice restaurant, and uh, we certainly enjoyed having an opportunity to break bread with Mr. Smelly and our out-of-town guests. Um, it was a little bit, uh, well, frustrating, uh, disheartening, you might say, because, um, you know, I'm not going to blame the pandemic because that's just the circumstance. There are a lot of independent business people who have been affected by the uh, the course of events in the last couple of years. And by that I mean, if you're not going to a chain restaurant, you know, the, the home of the bag of food, as I was saying, you're often looking at something that's somebody's nest egg. You know, these are investments from people, and it's, you know, how they hopefully maybe plan to retire someday. So, uh, if they can't keep the doors open, then, uh, you know, that they're just uh, going to have to suffer, unfortunately. And sometimes these are businesses that employ family members. And certainly, when you've got a uh, independent business with family who are your employees, it's going to be a little bit harder to keep your staff. So, uh, but yes, pricing, wowzer. Um, just, you know, lots to keep in mind with the, the way the world is now. And, uh, you know, maybe if you're only going out to eat with friends every two or three months... Think of that uh, price increase as, uh, well, <laughs> what's keeping that place in business until you get there the next time? And do make sure you go back if you enjoy it, because, uh, you know, if you only go there once in the year's time, and they're an independent, you, you may not see them when you want to go again. So, um, anyways, Halloween uh, round uh, wrapped up with our out-of-town guests returning to their homes uh, before All Hallows' Eve, um, and that left Hubby and I to our own devices, literally. I mean, you know, 
many times at night. Some of us couples will be there with our phones and we'll smile and sit on the couch next to each other and... Okay, in our cases, we're usually looking up the actors or, you know, the director or producer, but uh, we're watching something together. Anyways, uh, we have a tradition, or at least we used to, of trying to plan an evening on Halloween. We typically try to get out of the house and have a meal out. But, uh, despite having recently been to a sit-down meal with our, 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 um, comrades, um, it was a little bit of a struggle, one might say, because, uh, so many places also, uh, are just, you know, take-out or carry-out, because... Well, if you're like us, we enjoy places that aren't assembly line food. I, I like to go to places that uh, are not in, you know, are not cooking from uh, the Better Homes and Gardens cookbook. It's not going to be meatloaf and mashed potatoes. It's usually going to be something uh, from the Asian continent. Uh, but certainly something with more imagination than dear old dad let mom cook with. <laughs> but uh, we found a delightful little Chinese place not too far from uh, Chateau Starsage here. And uh, thankfully they were not, and I stress this, not cash only, which uh, happens to be another restaurant in our little fair hamlet here, so there was, uh, you know, a, a better uh, availability of convenience, because I'm sorry, in 2021, I don't carry cash. It's been a long time now, and, uh, you know, we can pay for things with our phones nowadays, so as much as I like to support independent businesses, uh, it, it just doesn't help me when I never go to an ATM, you know? <laughs> I have direct deposit. It, this is just not possible. I'm not printing my own money. Besides, that would be illegal. Anyways, so uh, we ordered Chinese food and uh, took that home. And we were just in time to watch the season premiere of Doctor Who. Now, it should be no surprise that sci-fi nerds like Hubby and I do enjoy many a different program, including Doctor Who. I have been personally watching it since the show was rebooted in, oh, I don't know, 2007 or 8, and uh, maybe even before, because it wasn't really on my radar. This was uh, something that Hubby enjoyed, and... Uh, he got me to tune in just before David Tennant, the second Doctor, to play the lead since the show was rebooted. And I have been watching ever since. It's, um, it's bittersweet right now simply because they uh, have a tradition of throwing the baby out with a bathwater. And by that I mean uh, 
when they have a different producer who's going to be taking over the show, or uh, the showrunner as they sometimes call them, um, that usually means they have to have a new contract for the talent because, in theory, it's, it's a new boss signing the checks. So, I understand that when the uh, current lead, Jody Whitaker, was signed on to play the part, which, uh, side note, Jody is the first woman to play the title role of the Doctor on Doctor Who, so if you've never watched the show, now might be a good time to look into it, because uh, I grew up partly in the 80s, and my role models were Beverly Crusher on Star Trek The Next Generation and Claire Huxtable on The Cosby Show. I mean, my mom was a strong woman and a career nurse, and she was the staff nurse before she retired, so it wasn't a stretch of the imagination for these types of characters to be role models for me. So, uh, anyways, Jody is the first woman to play the lead on Doctor Who, and it, it took some time, folks. I mean, the show's been on uh, in production in one form or in another for 50 years. Uh, well, after three years, which is not unheard of, uh, it was announced that the producer... Chris Chibnall was going to be leaving the show and they they decided to bring somebody back who uh, had been producing the show before but what that means yes can I've kind of spelled it out for you here that means they now have to get a new cast because we don't believe in keeping anyone when uh, you know the name on the door is changed <laughs> just when I was getting used to having a woman in the lead of the show. So, well, anyways, uh, you know, there's been a fair amount of criticism that, uh, oh, the writing wasn't all that good this season, and, uh, you know, Jody deserved much more than that, and uh, the same tired arguments were used for everyone else who was in the role and you know I, I have enjoyed each of the talents that have been in that role and uh, just wish that they had each had the option of more time yes I know I'm talking about a show that involves time travel and uh, that's my pun they needed more time haha <laughs> okay so what else am I excited about on TV well we watched the animated series on uh, Paramount Plus, you know, the, the successor to CBS All Access, Star Trek Lower Decks, uh, about the adventures of the crew of the USS Cerritos, and uh, the, you know, the junior officers, the folks that uh, keep the ship working. Fun little program. That uh, season ended not long ago, and... Uh, they decided to make a second animated show. Yes, I know there was actually a animated series of Star Trek back in the 70s, but I'm talking about more recent years. So 
Technically, this show, of course, is the third animated Star Trek show. Talking about Star Trek Prodigy. Yes, that's also the name of a a 90s dial-up internet service, but it's also a concept, you know. Uh, If you look up Prodigy, it's uh, basically a, a young person who is a wonder who is a, uh, a student of life, perhaps. Uh, somebody who's very uh, intellectual and shows promise. So, Star Trek Prodigy is quite entertaining and um, features the adventures of a ragtag team of misfits who are not Starfleet officers for a change, and they simply have a ship land in their laps. So to speak. I'm not going to give much away, but uh, it is a rather exciting prospect because since it is animated, we now, we now <laughs> have an opportunity to, um, well, make use of talent that, uh, you know, maybe isn't going to appear in front of the screen. And by that I mean Kate Mulgrew the actress who played the captain on Star Trek Voyager back in the 90s. She is continuing her character's career with Starfleet insofar as that she is a hologram on this ship that's been stolen, borrowed. And uh, she guides the team and basically tells them how to run the ship. So it's a a cute show, it's geared for a slightly younger audience, although I would say it's probably more teenagers, and um, it's actually fairly good, it's it's entertaining. But certainly what I'm most excited for, and uh, it is actually going to premiere tonight as I speak, on uh, November 18th, just a week away from our celebration of the harvest season here in America, Thanksgiving, Star Trek Discovery is entering its fourth season. Now, you may be, you may have been living under a rock, but what that basically means is about five years ago, CBS then decided it was a good idea to put Star Trek back on television because uh, the last time there was a show was oh way back in 2003 or 4 when they canceled the last show so if you haven't caught Star Trek Discovery there's at least two seasons out there somewhere that you can watch it uh and it is the holidays coming. If you've got a sci-fi nerd in your family, there are certainly either DVDs or Blu-rays that you could probably pick up for a reasonable price. And uh, maybe watch a smidgen with your family member that you're gifting to. Because there's a little something for everyone in this new Star Trek Discovery. You know, we have women in positions of authority... We have characters that may not be the gender they were born. And we have people who have uh, 
a experience of equality that we didn't in the earlier days of Star Trek. Yes, we now have gay officers in Star Trek. It's been a long time coming, and again, this is its fourth season on Star Trek Discovery. And uh, the exciting little bit that I'll get around to here (laughs) is that now they uh, face a new chapter in their story. They, um, as of last year, they uh, catapulted. You ever wonder about that word? Uh, was it, was that an invention to, to throw poor little fur babies at people? I just don't know. But um, last year they arrived in the future, the 32nd century, because people, um, some people at least, were allegedly getting tired of the idea of these shows being made before the original Star Trek. Ooh, you know, no prequels, people. Okay, I'm sorry. If it's a good story, I'm just going to watch it. And uh, you're entitled to your opinion, but uh, don't tell me that it's the only one. Okay. (laughs) Uh, So they were catapulted into the 32nd century. That's new territory. Why, you ask? Because when Star Trek was last on television new, at least prior to the the Scott Bakula show at least, the timeline for the Federation, the, the ships on Star Trek, was the 24th century of Earth. 32nd century Earth, which is where Discovery is now, puts them in a whole realm where they can possibly break the rules because they don't have to be, uh, you know, uh, confined to boundaries as much. So uh, we've got a character who was essentially a mutineer in uh, one of the early seasons who has raised up through the ranks, maybe has gained some trust of people and could be uh, in a position of leadership. So that's, that's the fourth season of Star Trek Discovery. We have possibly a new captain, and that's going to premiere tonight. So I am uh, just crossing my fingers and hoping for the best because uh, the last Star Trek series with Scott Bakula got canceled after four seasons, and uh, maybe it was three, but uh, this could be the breaking point of that show. We do have more to watch, though, coming in the new year. Uh, There is a new series that, uh, again, it takes place before the original Star Trek, uh, is The Adventures of the Enterprise before Captain Kirk's time. The original pilot of the 60s Star Trek show was supposed to feature an earlier captain, Christopher Pike, and he was very brilliantly played in a guest appearance, or a series of guest appearances in Star Trek Discovery in the second season by uh, actor Ensign Mount. And um, he's been in a few action adventures, uh, even in a series, but he, he bears a strong likeness to the original actor who played Christopher Pike. And I, I'm forgetting his name right now, but... 
the man has talent, and uh, they had him appear with several other characters from uh, that version of Star Trek, and they even showed the ship that would have been in service before Captain Kirk, uh, Captain Pike's Enterprise. And they've got a new show coming. There was such a fan response that this is what we wanted. They are coming out with Star Trek Strange New Worlds in the coming year. And what's fascinating about this to me is that we are going to see a character that basically only appeared as a profile in the original guide to writing Star Trek, the uh, the Bible, as it were. And uh, this character was a woman of authority. She was originally supposed to be the first officer of the Enterprise, and they didn't even give her a name other than number one. And uh, the actress from the... X-Men movies, not the not the more recent prequels, but the original Patrick Stewart X-Men films, who played Mystique, Rebecca Romaine, who is uh, Jerry O'Connell's wife in more recent years. You know Jerry O'Connell, he's been a number of things, including that 90s sci-fi show Sliders, and many, many other things. Uh, those two are... are, uh, are you know, are um, betrothed these days. But Rebecca Romaine is now playing number one on Captain Pike's Enterprise, Strange New Worlds. And we get to see her character and the evolution of that character. And we get to see, um, surprise, they announced it at the last minute practically, because after the holidays, the show's going to go on. Cadet! Uhura. So, certainly a bunch to look forward to in the new year. And um, I know I've been going on, but um, just want to touch base on the holidays. I don't know what uh, you have in store for you, but uh, it's certainly a different world. And, uh, you know, we don't know that it's ever going to, quote-unquote, return to normal. But... uh, over at uh, the Star Sage family, we're going to have our first gathering at my eldest sister Ronnie's home uh, since before the pandemic. Now, she has little ones living with her. She is raising her grandkids, and these are kids that are young enough that they can't be vaccinated yet. And uh, Ronnie, she is a therapist, so it would be irresponsible for her to... Uh, make careless decisions, especially since she uh, has to, you know, speak for for minors in her case. So only the vaccinated will be at Ronnie's house for the holidays this year, which of course means Brother Jughead, who moved to a red state to possibly avoid some child support and... uh, well, I, I just, I just not going to keep walking down that line, folks. It's, it's the third rail, if you know what I mean. Jughead will not be coming to the great state of New York for the holidays because he doesn't believe in science either. And uh, some of his kiddos, my, my adult relations, well, yeah, tinfoil hats, folks. 
and uh, let's just say at least a couple of his um, children have seen the light. Of course, they kind of had to because they're living at Auntie Ronnie's house and uh, she is a, a woman of authority and uh, it's her way or the highway, so <laughs> step to it. Uh, but yes, uh, the more... Uh, impending holiday, I say impending, Thanksgiving, we're going to be spending the afternoon with Mama Billy. We're not sure if uh, Sister Ginger will be joining us. Uh, She's very fearful of the world around us these days, and um, unless she can get her booster shot, she's not keen to step outside her door. So, and uh, with Mama Billy, we're thinking, or at least she has suggested, that this may be her last opportunity to host Thanksgiving because she intends to move to what I'm going to call her room at the YMCA. Yeah, she wants to move to a senior apartment that, uh, it's like a college dorm, really. It's not as exciting and youthful as that, no. Uh, I like to say that it's a room with a Murphy bed and a prison-style toilet. Now, I don't know for sure that's the way it is, but that's the way I picture it. She's not going to have her own living room. And aside from having one of those microwave and refrigerator combo units that college kids have these days, I, I just can't picture where she intends to be as being all that conducive to breaking bread. And it just it it just saddens me because my folks are both gone. Um, my siblings have uh, better things to be doing with their time. And uh, essentially, aside from my job, Mama Billy is the only reason... Aside from a mortgage, people, okay? That I'm still in the great state of New York. Um, Maybe this is just my age talking. I am going to be turning 45. Yes, I know, I am still a puppy. But I am the youngest in my family, and I've grown up with those older than me, so it's just... Feeling my age and having been back in my home state 12 years now, I want to do some travel at least, and the last couple of years haven't helped matters any. (laughs) But, uh, well, you know, hopefully I can get through the holidays this year without having to walk on too many eggshells, and... um, Unlike last year, I won't be medicated, which... This is the mental health portion of the show. Um, I I lost my little boy kitty the other year, and he was as close to a son as I'm ever going to have. So, that was my first Christmas without him last year. And I've been working from home for almost two years, so maybe it won't be as stressful as I think. And Jughead's uh, absence from the the family table might help a little. Hey, all right, folks. Believe it or not, 
I have covered all I intended to. And uh, as I am recording this, we are due for another episode of Matinee Minutia, that show about film and television trivia. We are discussing the 1980 drama based upon the life of therapist Lena Canada. This was a book, folks, originally called To Elvis With Love, Touched by Love. It was a 1980 film starring Deborah Raffin and introducing a young Diane Lane. It's the story of a therapist who just uh, becomes enamored with her patient that has cerebral palsy in a group home. But she touches her heart because uh, she gets her interested in music and she sees how it lights up her eyes. So join us for Matinee Minutia. Uh, spell that out there, M-A-T-I-N-E-E-M-I-N-U-T-I-A-E.com at 9 p.m. Eastern. And uh, click on the little blue mask, the controller, Discord, to enter our chat room. Okay, folks. Happy holidays shortly. Stay safe. Mask up, people. Get your booster shot. And uh, as always, the... Uh, happiest and healthiest of seasons to you all tweet me on twitter at dj starsage email me dj starsage at gmail.com that is all for now kisses from the carriage bye bye chubb's gone wild with matt and tom speak up the smell cast my be smelling be heard tastes like burning with Tim and James. Unique voices in podcasting. The Shy Life Podcast. With me, Paul the Shy Yeti.